Welcome to Open Mind UFO Radio. I am your host, Alejandro Rojas, and I am here with Mr. Martin Willis, a fan favorite. Hello, Martin. How are you? Hello. How are you doing? Bye Good. To you. Not too bad. So I think, you know, I've been out. Uh, well, I haven't been out. I think to a lot of my audience, they'll feel like I've been out because uh, they haven't heard from me on Open Minds a lot in the last couple of weeks, unless they follow my, you know, Twitter or something, but um, they, uh, that's because I was working the Congress. And of course, every year this is where I've got to help out with the UFO Congress. And that's a lot of work. And uh, you have helped out the last few years, including this year. So this year was completely online. And I guess I've got other exciting things to talk about, including UFO news. But let's talk about the Congress a little. Uh, first of all, welcome back, Mr. Martin. Yes, it's good to be back. Yeah, uh, that was, you guys did a great job. I mean, what a challenge that is to take a conference and try to figure out how to put it online, just yeah. online. I mean, I, I and you, you did an amazing job. You had all these things I never heard of. Wuva, Wuva. Wuva. <laughs> Which yeah. is a really funny topic because people started making fun of all the different ways people were pronouncing it. It's spelled W-H-O-V-A, and um, people, for some reason, have a hard time saying that word. You know what I'm addicted to? Speaking of these online tools that I I'm loving, including the one that we used for um, you know, these things here, is I love sharing my screen like just out of nowhere because you can do that yeah it's so fun so i'm going to do it right now in fact you do it too if you want to if you're like hey i want to show you what i'm talking about just because i want to show people here's what it looks like hoova w-h-o-v-a hoova is how i believe it said i think we've talked to tech support and that's what they use um but people were calling it Wuva, I think was a big one. Uh, Wova. Um, yeah, I guess you don't say, uh, Wu is that over there? <laughs> yeah, Wu is that? And I think that there were even people using adding syllables. So I don't know where they came up with these pronunciations. And I can't say they're wrong because I don't know, to be honest. But I think it's Hoova. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. this was a really cool app. And I love using our app. You know what I love doing, too, is just this. Because if you're thinking of something, you can Google it and then bring it up and show your audience, which is a lot of fun, except for those who are listening. Sorry, guys. But uh, those That's who true. can see it. And it yeah. is W-H-O-V-A. But yeah, great tool that creates kind of this community atmosphere. And really, it was quirky in that 
It was created to, to supplement your conference, to be able to provide some live coverage and to be your conference app. So people can go there, see the agenda, communicate, know where to go. Um, you know, um, so it's meant to accompany a physical event, but because of COVID, they kind of scrambled and tried to package and market it as an online only event kind of tool and um, which I'm glad they did. And then Karen found it and we used it and it worked pretty well. I think that there are some little quirks still because it's meant, it was originally meant to accompany a physical conference, but otherwise I think it worked really well. Most 99% of people, some people had tech problems. You're always going to have that with technology, but, uh, most people were able to use it and it worked pretty well. I think people were pretty happy with it. In fact, in our responses, a lot of people said, keep using this, love it, uh, love the app. Yeah, you can use it in a regular conference as well, basically. I mean, yeah. Um, and then you could uh, also put clips up or whatever. You could you could do a lot with that with a yeah. regular live conference. But Which it was you. Yeah. It was fun how some people that went to the conference last year started connecting to me through that app. Oh, how like, cool. hey, how you doing? It was almost like, you know, we we're having these chats back and forth. And the app's um, still up. So people who had tickets, if you don't know this, you can go in there and still watch the, the talks that you haven't seen. I'm sure a lot of people do know that because they're probably going back and watching the videos. But like Martin, you could go in there right now and log back in and watch any videos you didn't catch um, and communicate with people still. So yeah, so it it's a really uh, trying to show this, but it's a little bit of glare here. Yeah, if you keep it uh, still again for, for the people uh, watching on YouTube, I eh, can't really see anything. Yeah, it's, but like anyway, it's a great little app for the phone too. Once you get used to it, it yeah. works really well. Yeah, you feel kind of you seem kind of uncomfortable when I full screen. Yeah, I, I have a face for radio. Like that's this. why. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're not. Martin, you're adorable. And it's well, not the well, first time shocks. you've heard that. Oh, well, today. I've had people tell me Martin's adorable. <laughs> oh, somebody noticed my tiki mug. I got that yeah, last I saw that. Why? Yeah. Because with Richard Dolan, with the Dolans and my friend Lori Wagner, because um, it uh, the coffee cups were really tiny. And I wanted something cool. And now I'm in love with this cup. So it's my main cup when I'm here at Open Minds TV headquarters in California, which is kind of funny because people might have said, wait a second. I just saw Alejandro with doing the What's Doug reading yesterday. And he was in Arizona. Now he's in California. That's right. I did go back and forth. So here yeah. I am in California. But What's it, it is five hours, five hour What's drive that? or something like it's that. It's six. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you couldn't make it five and five and a half, but you know, you got to at least take a couple uh, stops. Yeah, you go by that big thermometer. What's that? Do you go no. by that big thermometer? No, it's a different mm. way. Yeah. No, we do go by a lot of nothing, really. We go by Dateland. Um, there's no roadside attractions really on the route because we're this is the eight, and it's right along the Mexico border. Uh, so um, yeah. you're really skating the Mexico border, which doesn't mean there shouldn't be roadside attractions. There should be, but there's not on that route, unfortunately. Hmm. But yeah, the conference went really great. In fact, I guess some of the news that I was going to share is, you know, that's where I was. And I was like, you know, it wasn't like I was not doing UFO stuff. It was actually, you know, UFO stuff times a thousand because I'm not only hosting it, 
but especially last day, I was doing some interviews. So for example, the Chris Bledsoe, uh, that was kind of a interview type style with me and him. Uh, I can't remember. We probably had some others like that, but Selma Siddick. Uh, Selma Siddick was an interview like that. It was very, very good, by the way. That. Yeah. yeah, that went great. That was oh. so good. And you know what's interesting? Um, and especially, I think, on our shows, Martin, because we're more open to this. Um, and I could be wrong. Uh, but you and I, I think, get a lot of new people. We attract a lot of people who aren't into UFOs as much. And I think it's because... Uh, you know, I get this feedback. I get this feedback about you because we do so much together that uh, it makes it easy because we don't, you know, you don't have to believe people are talking to aliens to watch our shows. Um, you know, uh, you can just have a very light interest in UFOs and join and not be feel like, you know, uh, you're in, you've entered crazy land or anything. Not to say that all those are crazy land, just to say that, you know, people feel off. It's a little bit off putting. So we get, I get a lot of newbies. You get a lot of newbies. The Congress, we always have, surprisingly, even though it, we go to the Congress and it seems like it's all the same people, 30 to 50% of those people are brand new, never been to a UFO conference. And it was the same case with this one. So um, my point is, I don't remember what my point is. I was talking about attracting newbies. New, new people coming in the show. That's kind of where you were going, I think. We get... We both get a lot of new people and people that are kind of outside of the UFO. Oh, yeah, yeah. Topic. I know my point. So, for instance, the Ruwa encounter in Zimbabwe, and that was so embarrassing. I was already tired, but at the beginning I said South, Af South Africa, and she says, no, Zimbabwe. Duh. Well, you can understand that. That's but it, And she was very nice about it. She's very nice yeah. about everything. So nice and so intelligent. But the Ruwa-Zimbabwe encounter, not everybody's familiar with. Um to some of us in the field, we're like, what? You don't know this case? And I think having that kind of attitude can put people off because they're like, oh, I'm gonna, they're going to look bad at me because I don't know much about all this stuff. But uh, it was such an interesting encounter. And it's so fun then to introduce people to it, um, especially via a witness who is now, you know, in her – is she in her 30s now or are they in their 20s still? It was hard to say. Let's see. She was – she said it was – a. It was 1994, and I thought she said she was 12, uh, but I don't remember for sure. So if you if you do that math, yeah, she would be in her. But a, a young adult in her younger 30s or older 20s, um, and you know, a, a professional, uh, educated, and just. Yeah, she would. She's a great pleasure to talk to, and and it's a really good case. Very um, articulate. Mm -hmm. Mark Salzman is saying that. Uh, oh, you just said thank you. He, you had yeah. uh, Tom Reed on. I've had him on before too, Mark. But, <laughs> <laughs> you had Tom Reed on. Of course, you had him on recently, which is important because uh, the reboot of uh, Unsolved Mysteries did an yeah. episode called The Berkshire. Well, I don't. Maybe you could tell people about that. The Berkshires UFO. Yes, um, it's really, um, I don't know if everyone out there has Netflix and available to see this, but I'll tell you, it is a fantastic episode about that. And, you know, uh, I've listened to Tom. I've had him on the show before, Tom Reed. And I was in Phoenix when he spoke out there 
you know, several years ago at uh, your UFO com conference out there. I had no idea there were so many witnesses. And it's, it's amazing. And uh, another aspect is, uh, you know, there is this, um, I sent you a link before uh, uh, in the past, Alejandro, about this, this panel. It's called the Behavioral Panel. And they basically are four experts that watch um, right. the human behavior. And they can see if someone's, if it looks like someone's telling the truth or if they're recalling a story, but they look for all the signs and they each have an expertise in each part of the four of them have an expertise in, in each part of uh, whether someone, uh, one of them is an, interrog an interrogation expert. And so they kind of understand, you know, how to lead people and, and all that. So they interviewed Tom. And uh, I got an email from Scott Roos, who's like the chief of the four uh, people. How and cool. he said, he said, he's telling the truth 100% when he talks about that story. And they really? also, yep, they've also looked at other people where they've watched their interviews on that particular show, that episode. And they're saying, no, they're, they're not BSing. Are there other UFO? There's only one other UFO person that I know of that they've done. Um, are there others? Yes, uh, they do go through. Uh, they go through Bob Lazar, and it's not pretty. <laughs> they yeah, they check Bob surprising. Lazar's. Um, they go through him very deeply, and I know every time I bring that subject up on my show, I get I get some mail, some email. People yeah, like people to believe in Bob Lazar all the way, and. Uh, but they, they kind of tear him apart. They tear his story apart and his reactions, the way he's telling the story. They can see all the signs of something going on there. And they said he is a fantastic storyteller. And, you That's know, uh, if people look at my Twitter, I got in kind of a Twitter debate about Lazar recently. And, you know, a lot of people bought up uh, a lot of stuff I didn't hadn't even looked into yet. And I know I forwarded some of that to you. It just the more you look into his story, the worse it gets. I'm sorry, people. Um, he's got a history of exaggeration, falsehoods, um, and yeah. So, I, and I did see some of that video that you sent me, and I need to watch the whole thing again. But uh, they were bringing up even before they got whether looking at his body uh, and his uh, behavioral, uh, you know, signs they brought up great research points in him changing his stories and things That's like right. that about the hole in the craft. And, you know, those are really good and, points. And I yeah. think that, you know, we have to pay attention to that sort of thing. Um, yeah. Just because Joe Rogan all of a sudden believes, you know, Lazar is the real deal doesn't mean he is. I mean, uh, I think we got to do better research and, uh, yeah, it is unfortunate. You know, it's one of those things where I had too much into it. In the beginning, I relied on George Knapp's work. Uh, the more I looked into it, the more I started to kind of disagree with George and even talk to him about it and ask him and converse with him. And he was like, yeah, I get it, you know. Um, and I feel like even when we've talked recently, he's like, I get it. You know, um, he says, given what some of the information I can't share is why I believe so much. But that's hard to ask someone like me who's on side to trust in information I don't have. Um, so, and what information, the more I look out there, the worse it is. So sorry people, but um, do your own research. Uh, people keep asking me to put something more comprehensive together. Uh, I don't want to do that. However, cause I don't want to waste the time to be honest. There's so much more to cover and look into. 
and I've got so many things I want to write about um, that are important, like this story I just put up yesterday on Open Minds, and we'll get into that. But uh, Michael Schratt, who used to work with Open Minds, did a great document, I think, that uh, going documentary? over- Documentary? Yeah. Yeah. What's that? You meant documentary, not document. No, document. That one oh, I said- document. Yeah, Michael Schratt did a, uh, I didn't, did he do a documentary on Lazar? That, oh, 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 I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I, I thought you were talking about something else. Go ahead, yeah. Um, I got I it. This is the thing, people like you, UFO story and Majestic Q Clarence, and I want people to know, I really love when people have differing opinions, so please don't take this as, you know, in a bad way, uh, but absolutely bought is telling the truth. There's no way you can know that. I mean, it, it, unfortunately, uh, you know, we just can't know that. And he's one person it would be different. We can say, we believe he's telling the truth, but we don't know for sure. I mean, it's, we don't have enough information to say for sure he is. And we do have a lot of information to indicate that he probably is not, um, yeah. given I his mean, history. For for one thing, you know, this, the education that's, and people always say, oh, you know, that, so what if he lied about his education? But that's important to me. Um, if he says he went to MIT, but when asked, you know, what the square was outside of M MIT in a public forum, he didn't know that it was Kendall Square. And anyone who's ever set their foot in MIT in any type of way knows that. That's another great example. And there's so many of these examples that just pile up. Um, and I would just say, yeah, I'm going to ask Michael if it's okay if I share an open mind his report and so that people will have that available. If uh, you want to look at it, just Google Michael Schratt Lazar. You'll probably find it. Uh, it's also, if you look at my Twitter conversations, uh, you'll find it there. Um, so, I mean, as much as, you know, I would have, as I, I, you know, George Knapp, I always talk about how much I love the guy. I'm one of his biggest fans. But this is just one we don't agree on, unfortunately. Yeah. But uh, have those guys done any other UFO people? Um, let's see. I know they, they've done, and they don't want to be known for the UFO people. Right, right. <laughs> uh, but I'm still going to have them. They're going to be on my show. We're going to actually talk about it, um, which is kind of unusual. They're going to be on my UFO show sooner That's or awesome. later. Uh, yeah. So stay tuned to your show for more on that. Yeah. But anyway, um, they, they said they don't want to be known for that, but they've done, I don't know if anyone out there has followed like the Steve Avery story, um, uh, making a murderer. That was a very popular uh, show on Netflix. So they've done a, a lot of people like that, even Joe Biden <laughs> and, uh, but not too many. I think it was, it was, uh, uh, Jane green from the Berkshires UFOs. Uh, it was, uh, Tom, uh, Tom Reed, of course, and then uh, Bob Lazar, I believe that's all they did on the UFO topic. And I've, I've told them, I sent them a clip of uh, Selma Siddick. And I said, why don't you watch this and tell me what you think? That's your homework, Ooh. I told them. Nice. That's your homework, yeah. Oh, that's kind of scary, though, too. So, oh, although I don't... She's solid. Yeah. I think she's going to yeah, be solid. Somebody yeah. asked, Stan brought us Zeta Reticuli, almost certain that was part of the Hill story. True. Stanton didn't really bring us this. And this was at Astra Recordings. Thank you for being here again. By the way, thank you all, Mark, at Astra, Dirk, all of you who are here, Renee, Gas Mask, Curtis, 
Um, so uh, the ad asterisk, the Zeta Reticuli piece, what happened is, and, and Zeta Reticuli is really uh, bad too <laughs> in that somebody mentioned how there are no habitable planets in the Zeta Reticuli system. Great point. Um, what happened was Betty and Barney Hill, Betty Hill, when she was on the ship, remembers having a conversation with the, the critters or the whatever they were on the ship. And uh, one of the things she noticed was this star system, uh, what appeared to be a star system or a bunch of stars and, and some kind of like 3D type of display. And she assumed that was where they were, where, you know, um, essentially. And she drew a picture of this in a regression. Uh, it is kind of cute because she says that during, you know, her encounter, during the regression, she was telling the alien, uh, I can't wait to share this with people or something like that. And they're like, you're not going to remember this. And she said, yes, I will. They said, no, you're not. She said, yes, I will. And in regression, maybe she did. I mean, it's interesting that her regression was so similar to her husband's and they were regressively. Um, so they were painting each other's kind of ideas. Um, and supposedly they hadn't talked about it prior, but uh, she drew a picture from her memory, from the regression of the configuration of the stars. Then a lady named Majory Fish looked at it and said, it kind of fits that that might be Zeta Reticuli. Um, and later she said, that's probably not the case. The, the statistical chances of me getting it right are extraordinary, um, which is a great point. So, you know, taking these random dots and stuff from memory and then matching them up to star systems. Yeah, right. You know, that's going to be extraordinarily difficult. But because she did that and because the Zeta Reticuli got out there, all of a sudden everything's Zeta Reticuli. All the aliens are from Zeta Reticuli, Zeta Reticuli this and that over this very dubious. That's the problem with the UFO field. Um, you know, they get these little pieces of information and people run with it. And all of a sudden you have, you literally have maybe thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people out there who claim they're talking to people from Zeta Reticuli. So um, this well, there is, there is kind of a, a bright spot in that story is SETI actually moved their telescopes over the radio scopes there over to Zeta Reticuli and studied it. Oh yeah, Seth, yeah. Seth Shostak told me that. Yeah, which is true, and they and that's where this information comes from. A lot of people cite is that you know they found it's not really it doesn't have any habitable, you know, planets. Nor uh, did they get any responses. Of course, if there's a advanced civilization there, it doesn't mean that oh, if we train our radio telescopes and we don't hear anything, then uh, there's definitely nobody there. Doesn't mean that but it just means that everything we've done to try to detect something there or detect any habitable planets, as far as we understand what is habitable, um, you know, who knows? I mean, anything's possible. There could be, you know, we could even do this one day. We're doing it on Mars. Mars is the only planet populated solely by robots, as far as we know. And I think our science is pretty good on this. And those are all our robots. So maybe we decide we're going to have a little robot base where the robots come back and charge up. And, you know, this is a big robots, but and it's not, you know, you could do that practically anywhere. It's interesting, actually. Ridley Scott has a new TV show on HBO. I don't know if you've seen this. 
It's only on HBO Max, and it's kind of frustrating because I have HBO Max via Hulu, but it's not on Hulu, so I can only watch it on my computer on HBO Max. But it's essentially these robots going to these other planets, and in this case, trying to repopulate the humans and, and stuff like that. But, you know, if we if we sent robots to places, they would be able to go to other planets and be able to survive in places that we wouldn't. So who knows? I mean, a lot of people feel like the the little gray figures that people are seeing are, are robots. Yeah. Um, drones, well, it, I'm sorry. Definitely would solve the time issue, you know, that you always hear about, oh, that just takes too long. You know, uh, people wouldn't be able to, you know, survive a generation without, you know, getting to the first star, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so uh, that would... You know, I don't know about for us, but I mean, you know, what our future plans are. Um, it, but, you know, getting us uh, out there on another planet is not a bad idea eventually if we can do that. Right. Because you never know. We could have another extinction event. And uh, if the human species is to keep carrying on, it would be nice to have another place to rely on if we could. But Mars yeah. is pretty cold and pretty scary and pretty deadly at this point. I yes. don't know. Uh, if that could ever be changed or not. Yeah. I mean, a couple of years ago, I wrote a couple of stories on this when it was really becoming more of a big thing. And this was also related to the Mars television program with National Geographic. And this is when NASA was talking about Mars and going to Mars. Uh, the last administration was more focused on Mars than the moon. Um, and, you know, that's what our focus was to go to Mars. And Musk, Elon Musk is still focused on that. And he probably yeah. will make it there first. And it was controversial to say that back then. But, you know, that's why I love that Nat Geo Mars show. It showed just what you're talking about, how difficult and all of the things you need to consider. Um, and we're so far away from considering everything that we need to consider to actually have people living on Mars for any period of time. So, yeah, you know, even Elon Musk hasn't really thought about the habitat part, which, of course, is. Robert Bigelow's specialty, Robert Bigelow, who we all know participated in the in the Pentagon UFO investigations, uh, his company, Bigelow Aerospace, and his company was building these inflatable habitats, but his company might have gone under because of the pandemic. So, and really, Ooh. we haven't needed habitats yet. So, mm. um, I, I think they just haven't gotten any orders. You know, there's nobody saying, hey, I need a habitat for Mars or the moon or for a space station around the planet. I think he's just maybe a slightly and only slightly ahead of his time. Um, so we'll see what happens with Bigelow Aerospace. Hopefully they they are able to stick around or reboot at one point because we will need those habitats. And I think everybody agrees these inflatable habitats are the best idea. And I am fairly certain, especially from talking to some of the insiders, that uh, most of the, a lot of the, um, uh, the space contractors, companies out there agree that the inflatables is, is when we get to the point of needing habitats is, is the way to go. So we'll yeah, see but what the shielding. What about that. the shielding? You know, you, not, I not just Mars, but the moon, you know, if you're on the moon, the moon you, can you still... don't need it as badly. Um, essentially. Yeah. There's tons of radiation coming from the sun. Um, Electromagnetic fields, you know, like the fields we have around the planet are what protect us and the moon. Um, but once you get out of the protective bubble of Earth, that's where it's really dangerous. And you don't want to be in that zone for very long 
without any sort of shielding. Um, some scientists have argued that the distance and the time it takes to get to Mars isn't that dangerous. Uh, NASA, I don't think, agrees with that. They would like some type of shielding. Uh, and so far, the different ideas are, um, and in fact, in the in this away television show on uh, HBO, which is a great show. It's a little, I mean, it's a little nerdy, might be a little boring for some, but it's essentially, you know, NASA when they go to Mars type of thing. I like it, might be a little slow for some. No lasers and aliens. But in that show, they have a water bubble around their ship. So essentially the yeah. walls are full of water. Yeah. But yeah. one of the things I've written about, and which is still a leading idea, is that you put your gray water in the walls. And gray water, of course, is your uh, discharge. So you put, you know, poop and pee are in your walls because they process that. But the great thing is, is that what they could do is put those in the walls. So you're surrounded by your, your gray matter while it's being processed and reused for the astronauts to be used. And at the same time, that water and feces is actually really good for shielding um, radiation. So that is actually one of the leading plans uh, also. Wow. Oh, Ad Astra just said Avenue 5 covers that, which is hilarious. Avenue 5 was a comedy um, uh -huh. show on HBO, if you haven't seen that. Did you see that, Martin? No. No, it's freaking hilarious. It is so good. It's essentially a cruise, like a you know cruise liner in space gone wrong, and it's freaking hilarious. It's really good. It's kind of like The Office in space. How about that? Really good. So um, yeah, so those are some of the ideas of what we'll need to do. We need bouncy castles on Mars. That's funny. Um, let's see. So that's some of that going on. That's black water. Gray is just sinks, etc. Oh, okay. Black water. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I, I always, I was going to correct you on that, but yeah, the gray water is like, you know, dishwater and stuff like that. Mm. And then there's the other stuff, which, uh, uh, could clog the pipe, so to speak. You can say yeah. it. The other <clears throat> stuff. Yeah. No. What is the other stuff? No, this is uh this is a, uh, safe for work show. Like poop and pee. Urine okay, and yeah, pee. I guess I could say that. That's technical <laughs> enough. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. We digress. Uh, yeah. Yeah, let's get into at least some of the news because that's what this is also supposed to be about is UFO news, right? But these topics yeah. are so fun. But, um, oh, I just saw somebody writing about the grace from Zeta Reticula and I was thinking of gray water and I was trying to connect some kind of joke and it didn't work, but... <laughs> <laughs> it's just funny to think of that anyway. Yeah. But the UFO news. So one thing that I think is important um, is what I posted yesterday. I don't know if you saw this yet, um, Martin, but on openminds.tv, I posted an article from the magazine. So, and what's shocking to me is that a lot of these magazine articles that we wrote uh, are still articles that are important, but you can't find a lot of information elsewhere. In this case, I reference this a lot, but there's not a lot of information out there. So I'm really happy to have this article that Antonio Huneas, my colleague, wrote for Open Minds magazine on the website now. And it's about the Carter administration. And I think this is really important right now because we've posted the memos about some of the conversation going back and forth between NASA and the White House and the Air Force about 
1977, when Jimmy Carter became president, he had said, I had a UFO sighting and I want to, you know, have the government investigate UFOs. A lot of people don't realize. A lot of people say, oh, he never did it. Somebody's walking around back there. But that's not the case. Is um, it a gray? He yeah. did do it. He asked NASA to research UFOs. Uh, and then NASA, you know, kind of hem and hawed. Uh, looks like there is some conversation behind the scenes with the Air Force where the Air Force is like, don't do it. Literally, we have a memo there where they're like, I hope you can get out of this. Literally. Really? Is that right? But, you know, at the same yeah. time, you know, the scientists are, you can see they're struggling because they're like, okay, we've got two options. Let's not do it. The If we don't do it, the conspiracy people are going to be all upset. If we do do it, then we're going to have an issue with our the science community that we interact with on a regular basis. So they were kind of in, in between these two difficult situations. And they essentially went with that kind of this idea that there's not enough information there to do anything with, um, which is a bit of a cop out. Um, but the White House accepted that and we moved on. But it details some of these backgrounds, some of what happened there, which I think is really interesting because I think these are the same sort of conversations going on right now as the Senate Intelligence Committee has asked you know, all of these uh, military intelligence agencies to begin to coalesce their information and work together on UAP research. And now they're having these conversations. Okay, what are we going to do? How are we going to do it? Um, uh, is it even worth doing? And uh, fortunately, I think the last part, the worth doing part, we've gotten past that hurdle in that it's worth doing. But what is worth doing and why? Those are the big questions. Those are a lot of the questions that I asked some of our panelists at the UFO Congress, especially Nick Pope, um, Brian Bender, uh, MJ Benayas. And I will be interviewing these guys uh, soon to get further into some of that. In fact, tomorrow uh, at 10.30 a.m. Pacific time, and I'll have this posted soon, I'll be interviewing Adam Kehoe. Uh, I'll also be... Uh, talking to Kevin Knuth, the physicist, um, soon, and uh, also James Fox, uh, which is something else we could talk about, because on October 6th, you know, James Fox's new movie, uh, The Phenomenon, is that what it's called, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, The Phenomenon, yep. And uh, it's going to be coming out. And fortunately, Martin and I, because we're so cool, have screeners, and I haven't yeah. watched it yet. I've seen the trailer, which I think is great. Did you watch the screener? Yes, I watched Ooh, what do you it. think? Um, it, it it's right up there with, you know, Jay, I've said this before to James when he was on my show and to his face and you know, uh, he he does. It's my favorite movies are James Fox movies when it comes to the UFO topic, and the quality of this movie. And he's got Peter Coyote, you know, uh, and narrating. Um, the quality of this movie is superb, and there's there's a lot of um, there's a lot of things from the past that we're unaware of that he brings in. Uh, oh, I should say I'm unaware of, you know, perhaps you, you've seen certain things and, um, but, uh, so he brings, he does, there's some reenactments, um, that are really well done. Um, it's like a, a big budget film about UFOs and it, and it's just so well, uh, Christopher Mellon's in it quite a bit. Um, but, uh, it, it's, 
it's fantastic. I, I love it. And it's, you can pre-order it now on uh, Apple TV, on uh, Prime, uh, Amazon Prime, on Vimo and Vudu. I think that's, those are the places you can order it. When I spoke to James, he was like saying, you know, he just kind of made do with what happened with this COVID. You know, he was wanting a theatrical release, very disappointed. But um, I think this is going to get uh, a lot of attention. Someone just said, how long is it? I believe it's an hour and 40 minutes. I believe it's something like that. Um, I can actually tell you in a second here, but and I will take a look. It's funny but, you um, had to watch it before I did, even though I have a credit. Yes, Alejandro is in the credit. credits. I was just simply blown away. <laughs> so I have, yeah, so I have luckily had some insight because I – I did help a bit with the production, especially earlier on, well, throughout whenever they needed me, um, getting to who's the best to talk to about this topic or that topic, and then getting them connected to it. Um, the same t t reason a lot of shows contact me, but I don't work with all of them. I'll definitely always work with James Fox. Uh, he's yeah. awesome. So, and like you, I his, his documentaries are my favorite in this field also. So well, I'll really tell you what, it's to see it. I'm sure you'll have an emotional uh, feeling about the end. When you get to the very end, it's kind of oh. like, you know, you really like, it's very moving that the, the ending of the film is just, and very I got to say, I don't blame James at all for me not getting an earlier copy. I know, you know, it, like he said, it was kind of taken it out of his hands in the end, which happens. The bigger your production is and the larger it's going to be distributed, the less, control any one individual is going to have yeah. even if you're the filmmaker so yeah. um that's just always going to be the case so it's kind of bittersweet in that you want that because you want the more distribution as possible but you have to give away some control when you do that um when it comes to marketing and everything but thank goodness they are getting a hold of people like you and others podcasters and letting them see it early to get the word out um yeah and I think what everybody's hoping, and I'm sure James hoped, is that it gets to a wider audience. Um, that's why he wanted it to be in theaters, because that's yeah. his primary concern. He doesn't care as much about the money he makes. He cares more about the more people that see it, because they need to see it. So He's um, hoping, uh, you know, when I asked him the other day, he just said, he's just hoping it'll move the needle. And yeah. he says, I, if this doesn't, then I don't know what will. You yeah. know, and... He, I'd like to know how many countries I meant to ask him how many, how many countries he went to because oh yeah all over the place yeah it's yeah so uh, great uh, some great drone shots too and um, some special effects that you know he for some of the reenactments some really good sp special effects um, it's a fantastic movie and I think you can get it for something like there's different ways you can buy it now I know if you buy if you buy it then you get, I think, another extra two hours of like behind the scenes and footage that oh, awesome. you, you won't see. Um, if you rent it, you just get the movie like you and I uh, have available to watch. Awesome. So so that's really cool. So Phenomena coming out, and I'll have James on in a couple of weeks. And had him on, right? Just like I had him on only for 10 minutes. You know, oh, he's such a busy minutes. guy. You know, yeah. and it, he, it's so funny. It's like, are you going to be on or not? And then two minutes before the show starts, all of a sudden he pops in. It's like, oh, no, I didn't even announce it or anything. So well, that's, that's just that James. Do it, though. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I guess I didn't put two and two together, duh, because I, I thought he was your guest for the whole show, but that's not possible because you had another guest. So, Yeah, no, no, he was just on for a couple minutes, along with Lee Spiegel, who's always uh, always fun to have on. Yeah, Lee's always So fun. Lee had some involvement. I don't know. Uh, you know, people don't yeah. uh, realize it, but he had a lot of involvement. He was out in California for you know, he maybe was, a few months. I think there were three top guys not including editors, but three yeah. top producers. And Lee was one of them. So Lee was yeah. essentially, I think maybe even titled with this. He was like head writer. So Lee was, yeah, Lee was there the whole time. He didn't go on all of the trips, but a lot of them. Yeah. Um, although he kind of has a bad back, so he struggles with traveling. There's some really funny stories <laughs> related to some of their adventures too that are hilarious. And yeah. maybe one day we could get Lee to share all of those. In fact, yeah. I'm going to get him on and we'll talk about some of these funny stories. Um, by the way, I do want to mention before we move on and people will like this, um, I think. And I wanted to kind of ask your opinion on this off camera, but I'll do it here on camera. Martin. <laughs> I'm always an open book anyway, I guess. Um, actually, you have a lot more secrets. If the people knew. The things I knew about you, the, the secrets you've told me that you don't want them to know. I know, Boy. amazing. <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah. I'm kidding, everybody. But um, <laughs> uh, the, uh, oh, I'm, I don't know if, you know, the no bot. listening. Yeah. Not totally oh. on board, but the yeah. live shows, I'm not going to charge for anymore. I'm going to do you where they can watch the live show. And then I'll archive it. Oh, okay, cool. For the archives. On YouTube, have you done this? No. The YouTube subscription thing. You were commenting on that the other day. Yeah. No, yeah. I've never now, done that. No. Right here on YouTube. If you click the join button, click that right now. You're talking so to click me? Click the join button. All You'll right. see you can join at two levels. The Rojas Reports, Rojas Reports Live. Don't join at the live level because now I'm going to make it so you can join live. You don't have to be part of that. But join at the other level. I'll give you a minute. Join at that lower level. And now you'll be able to then get to the archives of all of my previous interviews, including, um, you know, my upcoming ones. You'll have access to all of them. So then you'll be able to watch all of them. And you won't want to miss it because I have people like Luis Elizondo, Brian Bender, writer for Politico. Who else do I have? I've got on there um, me and I think John Greenwald. Um, and then uh, um, with Chris Mellon, one of the only people I could, you know, re-interview with Chris. Martin had a full hour ago, so I'm going to work on that. But yeah, do that right Did that be able to see everything yeah having a little bit of an internet issue i'm not sure if you're seeing it on your side are you no huh huh okay everything's fine here so yeah upcoming interviews uh, that's what we do from now on if you are on patreon and you're at the you know high level patreon subscriber don't worry because i'm still going to upload all the videos access to all of uh, and more um in fact if you're at the high level Patreon level, that's where you can go and you could get giveaways and other stuff, everything. That's the best, the interplanetary. That's the best one. 
gas mask the inter- like the interplanetary level on patreon the interplanetary is the high, highest level where you get everything nice nice some people say gold and silver and you're doing interplanetary i love it yep interplanetary intergalactic planetary that's what it is yeah intergalactic planetary yep somebody's talking about the dune movie that looks really good um nick pope or nick west and robert powell going head to head soon on nimit should be fun i'm i'm not excited about that i love robert but i don't know i want i would opinion on this and i do not want to be rude but why do we care what Mick West says? I don't understand this at oh. all. Oh, oh, Mick guy. West is going on with who? Powell. I'm not sure really? that's going to happen because I was part of trying to arrange that before. Wouldn't do it. Um, so we'll see. I, I don't think it's going to happen. He's already told Robert Powell no several times been involved with that. And um, well, the reason why is his his uh, answer to all that is ridiculous. Now I've seen some but really so, good work. That- he, who cares? It's not like he's a FLIR expert. It's not like he has any expertise to matter. And that's my point. If we're well, okay, I, I, don't I do have why anybody cares. I, I'll I'll make a point. I think, and that is, uh, there's a lot of people that follow Mick West, so and, and just believe everything that. He says is true. There's even it, more pe- people that follow Joe Rogan. I mean, yeah, every skeptic has a large following, and you're not going to convince their following of anything. Um, so I just don't purpose. I think that people, you know, it's one of these social media things that happens. People get all worked up about these conversations that happen, but these conversations are completely meaningless. Think of this. Review all of the big conversations that have happened on social media in, let's say, the last six months or a year. Some of these stories, which I will not name, not to embarrass anybody, that got so huge, this is going to happen, that's going to happen. None of it happened. None of those conversations meant anything at all. And and where are those people now? To undermine the credibility of what they're trying to get out there. So, I mean, we need to focus our energy in the right place. And this is why this is so, sorry, forget soapbox. But one of the themes I got from the comments and talking to the scientists, these researchers, these media people, is what we need to, we don't need to be fighting over stupid minutia that has nothing to do with anything. The point isn't, the, the, the videos are very limited in there's very limited what you can determine from those videos. The point is the the Navy says they've investigated this case in those videos and they are convinced these are objects that are not human. That's what's important, that this is what the Navy believes. This is what the Navy determines. are, why have you determined this, Navy? That's what we don't know. That's what we hope to get. That's what's important. Arguing about all this little minutia is a waste of time. It doesn't get us really anywhere. I mean, certainly you want to get to the truth in some of these issues, but um, what we need to be focused on right now, and this is what we've gotten in my conversations and what we will continue to get, is that the Navy, the DOD has been saying 
they're not going to share anything when it comes to UAP investigations. They've told this to John Greenwald now. They told this to Roger Glassell. They're, they're saying all of this is classified. But the people who are asking them to share information, politicians, what we need to do is we need to get to these politicians and make them understand we care about this issue. They need to understand that there is a large amount of people out there who care and want these answers. Because if that doesn't happen and they are told, just like Jimmy Carter was told, there's just really not enough there. We What we are finding are high-tech drones, the Chinese and Russians. We can't really tell the public about that. Classified. Some people are seeing our classified stuff. So everything we do here is going to have to remain classified because these conspiracy guys and these UFO conspiracy guys are just, you know, barking up the wrong tree. And there's really nothing along those lines. If they do that, then the politicians could say, okay, great. As long as you guys are looking at this and you have it under control, we're fine. Boom. And all of a sudden we get nothing. That's what we need to be focused on. We need to be like focused like a laser on making sure these people understand this because any social movement, any sort of, you know, uh, Brian Brender brought up, you know, a whole host of different issues where the uh, Congress was able to get information out of the military because there was a strong public interest. Right now, there is no strong public interest. They're not, there are weird conspiracies people saying Roswell Roswell tell us where things are and you know what do you, what are the politicians supposed to do with that I think we need to be more savvy right now is a really important time and you know unfortunately I am cynical when it comes to the UFO community right now they're just going to let it all slip through their fingers I think uh once again fighting about this minutia and things that they have no control over or will make no difference in the end so, I mean, we really to focus here, people. Um, I don't know what else. So what would, you, what, would you, what would you tell someone listening to this show? How can they help? How can you help? Get a hold of your politicians. Send them letters. Write them emails. Get on their social media. And I'm not saying that it has to be a lot. They just got to need, they need to know because they don't know who really and how interested are they. You know, what is the backlash going to be? We don't share information. And right now, I think the backlash would be very, very minimal. Um, I think that a lot of people are interested in this topic, but not everybody's convinced of the conspiracies. Um, so that I think the impact would be very, and if that's the case, then no detriment to them to not pay attention. So I think we got to do that. But we also need to let, our scientific institutions know. And that came, you know, mostly from my conversations. We had a academia panel, um, Diana Pasolka, um, Tim, and Kevin Knuth, all PhDs. Um, Diana has her tenure. You know, they've been through the system. Um, Diana's involved with UFOs, have your tenure. <laughs> you know, that's, but the point of that is that. Um, that you're risking your ability to move up through the ranks in academia if you get involved with this stuff. Kevin Knuth is getting involved, but he's already 
established his expertise known as an expert in certain issues. So he's established himself. Diana saying the same thing. I've got my ear. Now I can stick my neck out a bit. Um, but in order to change what's going on or to fund these sort of programs, who funds programs that are not based on um, profit? When it comes to science, mm. every program that gets funded is because it's going to eventually turn turn a dollar. You know, it's going to yeah. eventually make money. There are instances in which science is backed that is not necessarily going to make money, like SETI. Who funds that? Government or investors? And that's the sort of thing we need. We need to let it know this is the sort of thing. We need to let them know that when they have unidentified, when they discovered unidentified in their UAP task force, we want to know about this. We want them to get that information to scientists who can research it in a transparent way. That is really the message and what we need to let them know. We want those unidentifieds researched transparently by a scientific institution. We need that. Otherwise, what they've said is that information is fine. Now, what about, say, things that they already have in hand somewhere? For instance, you know, um, I'm sure there's the, the Nimitz video, for one, just throwing out an example. Yeah. You know, there was the other actual film of that Tic Tac um, that some people actually got to see before it went into whoever's hands. And whoever's hands has other things, I'm sure, wherever this stuff goes. Well, you know, anything that is UAP related will be classified. Um, hmm. And is rightly so, because until you investigate it, you don't know what it is. You could be, you know, unclassified, let it out to the public. You could be letting the public see something that is supposed to be classified. You could be letting them see a Russian or, or Chinese technology that we may know they have, but we won't don't want them to know, you know, um, until those things have to be looked at before they're released. In I the get case it. Yeah. of Nimitz now, the great with Nimitz is that I think everybody heard that this is a genuine unknown. If that's the case, cases like Nimitz need to go somewhere where they're investigated transparently, where they're yeah. investigated and the public is let in on what's going on with that investigation. Um, instead of doing nothing with it, or keeping all of that classified. I mean, we're in the middle of the fight here. We haven't won anything except for now this more uh, acceptable. But now's our chance to go out there and say, look, all we're saying is investigate these unidentified. Don't let them go into the trash bin. Um, look at those because we need to figure it out. Just because you don't know what Nimitz is, I mean, we need to stop here. We scientific investigation. And that's another route to creating funding for scientists, which there are a lot of behind the scenes who are interested in investigating these sort of things. Kevin Knuth yeah. is an example. Yeah. But like Diana Pasolka is saying, if you're a scientist interested in doing this, don't let anybody know. Don't put your neck out there because you could be hurting yourself. Wait till the year. Um, so you know, that's not a system we want. That's not a, a what we what we want is what SETI did. SETI made this topic of of aliens acceptable because it used to be fringe. It used to be laughed at. Mm. 
How did they do it? By bringing scientists to the forefront, by having scientists stick their neck out there and say, hey, we want to look for aliens. And they're able to get funding um, and move forward. And that's the sort of thing we've got to do. Um, that's why I'm enthusiastic about the Scientific Coalition for UAP, because they're a group of scientists that will hopefully do that. And that's where I think Robert Powell needs to focus on. We don't need to focus on Mick West. Mick West is not in the scientific community. He's not the person we need to convince to get on board. We'll be talking to the scientific community and any of those of skeptics. Um, and we need to have our response by scientists who can speak the language or have the expertise and authority to make certain claims about church and investigation. So says, uh, what about congressional hearings? What are congressional hearings going to do? We've had topics of Congress somewhat here, here and there, but what's the result? The result is really not much. If we're, if you want a congressional hearing for an alleged cover-up, then you're going to have to have some pretty extraordinary evidence, not just extraordinary evidence, but extraordinary evidence that is very compelling and moving and gets a large public response. It's all hinged on a large public response. Nothing, all of these congressional hearings we've seen in the past are usually due to a large, you know, uh, public response. The public says, we want to know. We want to know what happened in the Kennedy assassination, you know, which created a panel which didn't resolve the issue. But I mean, congressional hearings often don't resolve the issue. So it's complicated. Yeah. Now, was there at, any Astra government? Great point. Mick West is not going to have his mind changed no matter what. And I think yeah. that's been proven because, for instance, there is expert that I've relied on. His name is David Fouch, and he's been debating Mick West, and he gave up because he's like, you just don't want the answers. You don't want expertise. You just want to stick to your skepticism. Yeah, yeah Mark said, Powell is solid. Mick West is, who cares? I totally agree with that, and I don't mean to put down Mick. I think he's, I think what he's, I don't even put down what he's doing, but he knows, and I've told him this directly, that I think it's completely disingenuous for him to expect the world to rely on expertise, which is the professional right way to do it, that you rely on experts to review material. You can't ask the world to do that and then at the same time get out there and try to profess yourself as some kind of an expert on this issue when you're not, and he, he's, a, he, I mean, his expertise is video. When it comes to coding, video game, that sort of thing, he's an expert, but he's not an, a FLIR expert. And when he's trying to say, no, you FLIR expert, you're wrong. When the, <laughs> with to a guy who works on FLIRs all the time who can demonstrate he's right, what good is that? Yeah. I just don't see that. Somebody well, brought up Michi, Michi Okaku. That's a great example. Those are the type of people we need to face. Bill Nye. When Bill Nye says something stupid, that's when we need to get in there and say, hey, Bill Nye, we disagree, and here's why. Um, yeah. You know, you did this. Here's we disagree, and here's why. That's the sort of thing we need to be doing. So I don't know. Um, Mark says preach on. Well, we're almost at So, But finally... Japan. So yes. there's all 
another story out there, which is pretty interesting, that Japan was inspired by the U.S. and their interest in UAPs and that uh, they have said that they are going to put together policy for their SDF, what, which is, I think, their self-defense force. Yeah. Because technically, we protect Japan, and they they can have, like, a self-defense military. Uh, although Self-defense forces, they call them. Yeah, although they claim they've never had any UAP experiences, which is pretty shocking. I don't know that I've heard of any military around the world that has come forward that has said we've not had any UFO experiences. At least most, if not, have said we have had instances. They may say we don't think they're aliens, but we've had uh, encounters with unidentified. Japan is saying, well, we'll keep an eye out, but fortunately we haven't had anything like that happen here. Ah, uh, geez, I wonder about that. I do uh, too. Yeah, it looks like uh, we ought to look into that a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So Probably tomorrow, fine. Adam and I will be talking about that. Oh, good. So I guess that's about everything. Anything more you want to know? No, I'm good here. Thank you. Well, I think we All covered right. pretty much everything that I can think of. We have covered quite a bit. So join uh, Adam and I tomorrow. Like I said, anybody will be able to join us now right here on YouTube to do our live uh, discussion. That's going to be at 1030 a.m. Pacific. So what is that, like 1.30 your time, I think, yeah. Martin? Yeah. Um, out there in the East Coast. And then uh, uh, otherwise, yeah, just keep an eye out because I'm back online, you know, recovered from the conference. We finally got all that mostly all finished, sending out stuff. Uh, other than that, um, keep an eye out because there were some winners of T-shirts. And uh, I do have some T-shirts around. So I'm going to be hitting up my Patreon people and occasionally and saying hey you want a t-shirt what's your size and i'll send that out so um check that out but uh thank you ufo historian magic majestic q clearance uh for being here uh gas mask mark first sometimes it's hard to tell what these uh names mean adastra and adastra robert farmer thank you he's a subscriber so he is uh the most awesomest out of this group <laughs> You're all awesome. Uh, yeah. Devin Steele, however you say that, I see him a lot. Yeah. There's a lot oh, of people I see on my show Steel. here. Oh, yeah. And then uh, Bim Jim. Bim he's, Jim. He's always uh, he's watching every video on YouTube. He's He's got some really good comments. Yeah, he does. He's an interesting, he's a funny guy. Yeah. So, Brian, thank you. So, thank you all so much for here. Um, we'll do you next week uh, when it comes to the, the Open Mind UFO radio. And then, of course, join uh, Rojas Reports tomorrow and join Martin. Uh, his shows are Tuesday afternoons at uh, Podcast uh, UFO. That's right. It's Tuesday afternoons on the West Coast, 6 p.m. East Coast, every Tuesday. Every Tuesday. He is scheduled and on time. And to be honest, I have a hard time being scheduled. That's why I also wanted to make the live shows free because I often give people very little notice. This show is always Friday afternoon. The other show with Doug is always Thursday afternoon, either 12 or 1. This one's also early afternoon-ish. <laughs> um, and it varies a little bit. But uh, the the Rojas reports are more all over the place because they're interviews. And I want people when they can do them. Um, so that's why those are all over the place. And hmm. I have to give people... 
often very little notice, but I can't give you a lot of notice on Kevin, which will be on the seventh. And then um, it should be the 14th that I have James Fox. And I'll let you know about further stuff, but uh, thank you all so much. Thank you, everyone. So here we go with the ending. Ready? Yep. Adios. 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 Adios.